Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Monday, December 19th, and we start with local news. The Columbia Police Department is trying to locate a 16-year-old missing juvenile, Andre Giselle Chavez Rodriguez. She was last seen on the 800 block area of Rutherford Lane in Columbia on December 17th. Chavez Rodriguez is 5 feet tall, weighing 158 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Any person with additional information that may assist in this or any other investigation is encouraged to contact the Columbia Police Department Dispatch 24 hours a day at 931-388-2727. Murray County Crime Stoppers at 931-381-4900 or Columbia Police Safe Tip email to safetips at columbiatn.com. The Columbia State Community College Foundation received a contribution from the Columbia Breakfast Rotary in ongoing support of their scholarship. Columbia Breakfast Rotary is dedicated to supporting Murray County students through this scholarship, said Bethany Lay, Columbia State Vice President for Advancement and Executive Director of the Columbia State Foundation. Columbia Breakfast Rotary established this scholarship several years ago and have positively impacted the future of many students, she said. A check in the amount of $1,000 was presented to lay by Denny Beaver, Columbia Breakfast Rotary Club president, and Eddie Abels, Breakfast Rotarian and Scholarship Committee member. In addition, Katie Willingham, Columbia State Athletic Director, was introduced to the Breakfast Rotarians and briefly spoke about Charger Athletics. The scholarship is awarded annually to a Columbia State student meeting the eligibility criteria. This includes graduating from Murray County Schools and being enrolled full-time as a degree-seeking student. The Columbia State Foundation is a 501c3 organization that supports and partners with the college to positively impact student success and the communities in which it serves. For more information, visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash foundation. Once again this year, local son and NFL superstar Shaq Mason hosted his annual school Christmas event this year at Riverside Elementary. With more on the event is WKOM WKRM's Del Kennedy. This is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I am at Riverside Elementary School where the Shaq Mason Foundation is having its annual toy and present giveaway. The Shaq Mason, of course, is native son of Columbia, now an NFL football player, uh, but he has created a foundation to do, among other things, to help the children of Murray County. Each year, a separate school is picked, and every child in that school gets toys and presents for Christmas. Right now, I'm speaking with second grade teacher Bradley Mims. Bradley, how are the children enjoying this? They are loving it. This is the most wonderful thing that's happened to our school. We're so happy. All right, Ms. Mims, tell us, you've got a couple of students here with us. Introduce them, please. I do. I have two students here. I have J.C. on Bryant and Paisley Sweeney, both fabulous, wonderful, intelligent, smart, amazing second graders who have just had the best day. All right, Paisley, what did you get from, what presents did you get? I got a tablet and a doll. Awesome. Are you happy? Yeah. 
Jason, what did you get? I got uh, Hot Wheels, and I got Play-Doh. I got a tablet, and I got candy. Are you happy? Yes. All right. Merry Christmas to you, too. Ms. Mims, what's next? Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and best day ever. I also have with me this morning Alicia McGuire. She is the mother of Shaq Mason. She's also chair of the Shaq Mason Foundation. Alicia, how did your son Shaq and you ever think of this wonderful idea? Uh, It was completely all Shaq. Um, He came to me with the idea, and that's what I thought about it and ways to do it. And we pretty much just put it together. But it was just on his heart. It's just that's the kind of kid he is. It's always a blessing to be a blessing and he wanna just give back and he's he's big on education. So that's one of the biggest reasons why he always gives a tablet. Um, but he just you know, he just felt like it's the right thing to do. There's so many kids in need and he just started with elementary schools. I don't know how far it'll go or if we'll innovate to do bigger schools or what, but right now this is where we are and we're gonna keep doing it. Wow. Again, thanks to you and your son, Ms. McGuire, and thanks to Shaq Mason. These are very happy children. Yes, indeed. Very happy. And it's just a blessing to be a blessing. Thank you guys so much. Merry Christmas. Again, Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. I'm at Riverside School where the Shaq Mason Foundation uh, is giving away toys and presents to every student in the school for Christmas. Shaq Mason being the native son, favorite son of Columbia, Tennessee, and now a a very successful NFL football player. Merry Christmas, all. The state of Tennessee has attracted more than $10 billion in investment to produce electric vehicles and EV components in the past two years alone. In April of 2021, General Motors and South Korea's LG Energy Solution announced $2.3 billion to create a new electric vehicle battery plant near the former existing plant in Spring Hill. In September of that year, Ford unveiled Blue Oval City, which will produce electric F-150 pickup trucks and electric vehicle batteries at a sprawling megasite campus outside Memphis. And last month, LG Chem, an affiliate of LG Energy Solution, announced a $3.2 billion investment for a cathode manufacturing plant that will support electric vehicle battery production in Clarksville. A little more than a week later, LG Solution Energy Solution announced an additional $275 million toward its Spring Hill facility. Republican Governor Bill Lee has called these investments record-breaking job creators and said they will position Tennessee at the forefront of electric vehicle manufacturing. That industry is expected to grow further after President Joe Biden in September set a goal of 50% of all vehicles made in the U.S. to be electric by 2030. Even so, there's still a long road ahead for widespread EV adoption in Tennessee. They account for fewer than 1% of all registered vehicles on the road in this state, according to vehicle registration data from the state. Amid that backdrop, Tennessee Department of Transportation Commissioner Butch Alley proposed a tax change that would make it slightly more expensive to own an EV. Since non-hybrid EVs don't fill up the pump, drivers are essentially exempt from paying Tennessee's gas tax, which often supports road infrastructure projects. To make up for that lost revenue, they pay a flat $100 annual EV registration fee. In November, Ellie asked legislators to raise the annual EV registration fee from $100 to $300. 
Adoption of electric vehicles will decrease the need for gas, while at the same time, the need for revenue will be increasing, TDOT spokesperson Beth Emmons said. This creates a challenge for our ability to build. Commissioner Ellie has said those that use the roads should pay for them. Everyone should pay their share, she said. The department arrived at the $300 number using the average mileage driven by a Tennessee driver annually, reported at 15,287 miles by the Federal Highway Administration, and the arithmetic average of miles per gallon using model years 2000 through 2021 for cars, which they calculated at 22.4 miles per gallon for the average car. Using that math, they found that the average Tennessean pays $311 in federal and state gas taxes annually. Ainsley Kelso, a spokesperson for Knoxville-based nonprofit Drive Electric TN, said cost is already a major factor discouraging EV adoption in Tennessee. A Tennessee-built 2023 Nissan Leaf S has a suggested retail price of $20,540 after federal EV rebates, making it a relatively inexpensive electric vehicle. A gas-powered 2023 Nissan Versa S, however, costs about $15,580. Kelso notes that there are also far fewer used EVs on the market. If Tennessean hands are building these batteries, building these vehicles, they should have access to the technology, Kelso said. Are we making it accessible to people in Tennessee, or are we creating a barrier for Tennesseans to be able to purchase and drive these vehicles themselves? Tennessee, I'm sorry, Drive Electric TN published its own data using a four-car sample of common gas-powered vehicles and determined that the average driver might pay as little as $113 in gas taxes annually. Kelso said the organization was grateful to see TDOT address the need for fee adjustments proactively, but had concerns about equity issues raised by the proposed changes. If you look at the average household income in the state, buying a brand-new electric vehicle is not in most Tennesseans' budget. Kelso said, we want people to be interested in it and we love the idea of it, but there are issues within the industry and there are things that have to happen to make them more accessible, she said. Metro Council member Freddie O'Connell, who has driven an electric vehicle since 2012, said raising the EV fee was a weird step in the wrong direction. It basically says we don't want people driving electric vehicles, O'Connell said. I think we ought to be moving the gas tax in the other direction, because that further incentivizes moving in the direction you want to move on the emissions basis. O'Connell, who announced his campaign for the Nashville mayor's office in the spring, said governments should take steps to encourage electric vehicles within their borders. Here in Nashville, we have a green parking permit program that lets you have access to downtown parking spots if you have an electric vehicle for the reasonable price of $10 a year, O'Connell said. That's because we'd love to see more people preferring to be in low-emission vehicles. TDOT spokesperson Emmons said Tennessee has a plan to increase the number of EV charging stations on the road, another major hurdle to adoption. The state received $88 million in federal funds toward a public-private partnership with EV charging vendors to create a network of charging stations every 50 miles along Tennessee's interstates by the end of 2023. We have to make charging more accessible in public in general and make it more visible, Kelso said. Until people can see it with their own eyes out in public, they're not going to believe it's there. Will all these electric vehicle production facilities actually lead to more Tennesseans driving the cars? Kelso said she isn't sure, but EV advocates are optimistic. If their mom or their brother or their cousin works on these vehicles and they get to know them a little bit better... They, that actually might convince them that the vehicles are good vehicles and that they are safe vehicles, Kelso said. 
I think it's going to take it's going to have some effect on it because how could it not? A new indoor golf center has opened in Spring Hill. WKOM WKRM's Del Kennedy stopped by TN Off Golf's ribbon cutting to learn more about how the new business works. This is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I am in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm at the grand opening and ribbon cutting for TN Off Golf. It's all about golf. I'm looking around this room. They've got a virtual golf range, and a young man has just driven one down the fairway. I'm speaking with Trent Whitworth, who is the owner of TN Off Golf. Uh, Trent, tell us what this is all about. What do you offer here? So what I'm offering is a place for people to come play golf or take lessons or come and practice basically year-round because we don't have to worry about the weather since we're indoors. Um, We do players from beginners all the way to tour players. So that's kind of my focus. Okay. Now, are you a golf fanatic yourself? Yeah. I've uh, been playing since I was 12. Um, I found my grandpa's golf bag in his closet one day, and it just kind of took off ever since then. There you go. And, and I take it this is for all ages and abilities? Yes. Um, basically, juniors all the way up to senior players, uh, anybody that's interested. Um, if, they wanna, if they've been playing forever or they you know, want to learn how to play the game, that's, that's what I'm here for. Now, you offer these services here at your location where you have this virtual golf course. Do you offer other services? Uh, yeah, so what this is going to turn into is going to be like a golf training facility. So along with golf lessons, I will also have golf-specific workouts. So if there's something that you want to do golf-related, that's you know workout-wise to help your swing get better, that's what I'm going to offer as well. Oh, wow. Now, uh, for more information uh, as to uh, how to access these services, your days and hours, where do people go? So follow our social media. So we got a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. Um, and that's TN Off Golf. TN Off Golf. T-N-O-F-F Golf. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then our hours are going to be 7 to 7 pretty much every day. If you want to make a time, just use our link that's on Facebook or just give us a call, send us an email, say, hey, I want to come at this time, and then we'll set you up. All right. Again, Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio at the grand opening and ribbon cutting of TN Off Golf here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I've been talking with Trent Whitworth, the owner of TN Off Golf. Trent, congratulations. Thank you. Elementary schools are priority one as the Murray County School Board voted forward several building projects at its regular board meeting outlined within a five-year building plan. The board unanimously passed the growth plan for the new schools that are expected to soak up the unprecedented county growth like a sponge. In the Battle Creek area, builders are moving dirt on the future $74 million-plus Battle Creek High School to prepare the site, while the district works with the city of Spring Hill to shop around for land that will serve as the site of a new elementary school in North Columbia. The district aims to welcome the influx of new students to Battle Creek High School by fall of 2024. The site grading is completed for the future high school, allowing for final building plans, architects, and engineers to ensure proper facilities at the campus. Three additional elementary schools are also planned for Baker, Mount Pleasant, and Cullioka areas, though, as discussed at a board retreat back in November, costs for these projects remain unknown, according to school board chairman Michael Fulbright. Additionally, the district has completed many maintenance needs across the county and updated some schools on certain measures of safety. 
We are constantly working to pull everyone to the new standard that's needed, said Eric Perriman, Murray County Public Schools Operations Director. It's an ongoing maintenance and renovation. We make sure every child is getting a good, safe, and clean environment, he said. The standard is ever-evolving, Perriman said, and refers to the keeping up with new technologies for the classroom to safety implementations for the schools. To maintain building new schools, making needed repairs and updates to maintenance have continued to hold priority for long-awaited athletic facility projects like the gymnasium updates at Santa Fe and other schools. These athletic facility renovations include gym improvements like new floor surfacing, scoreboard installments, HVAC fixes, and new bleachers. A federal tax rebate from the district's business partnership with Train resulted in a giant check presented for more than $16,000 at the board meeting, but the board has provided its share to ensure progress where needed. The board has been very generous to set aside money for maintenance, but also athletics, Paramin said. We've done a lot of work at every school to make sure kids have the same opportunities. In addition to new floors in the current gym, Santa Fe Unit School's much-awaited auxiliary gymnasium finally moved from dream to reality earlier this year, as plans to finish construction on the additional building are set to be completed by spring or summer of next year. Central and Mount Pleasant High Schools have also had significant updates to some of their athletic facilities, from baseball field lighting to press boxes and fencing, and even a new softball field for Mount Pleasant High School. In total, Perriman said five school gym floors have been sanded down and completely replaced based on inspection standards. Santa Fe, Hampshire, and Kalioka unit schools received the most needed gym work last summer, in addition to a gym floor at E.A. Cox Middle School. Across the board, athletics is receiving funding for working scoreboards and ADA-compliant bleachers. Perriman said the state of awareness for emergency situations at schools is sad to think about, but very necessary. Many of the technology updates and procedural plans, Perriman said, the district keeps close to the vest so that no one can have any knowledge of what to manipulate. A lot of what we do safety-wise, we don't even like to talk about, Perriman said, because we don't want the world to know what we're doing, he said. Perriman said Jonathan Barry, a former school resource officer who now heads up safety for the district, aims to have safety measures implemented that don't detract or impose on the school environment. It's safety in plain sight, Perriman said, so that you walk in and it still looks like a school building. We're trying to keep them safe, control who has access to our campus, but still maintain a family-friendly campus. Perriman refers generally to more cameras, key fobs, and better ways to track everyone in the building. Our number one goal every day is to get everyone's child back home safe and healthy, Perriman said. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Olivia Libby McLean Benderman, 90, a retired public school teacher and resident of Mac Benderman Road, passed away peacefully on Wednesday, December 14th at her home. The service for Ms. Benderman will be on Monday, December 19th at 11 a.m. at the funeral home with Randy Brown officiating. Burial will follow in Glenwood Cemetery. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer. 
and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we'll have a mix of clouds and sun, giving way to more cloudy skies later in the day. The high will reach 46 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect cloudy skies and a low of around 30 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance... Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee.
for the love of the climb. For the love of the fall. For the love of knowing your kids' laughter is the sweetest music there is. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Here we go. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Two Tennessee men face multiple federal charges for an alleged plot to attack the Knoxville Federal Bureau of Investigation office and kill law enforcement. Federal prosecutors say the two men planned the attack in retaliation against a federal investigation into the January 6, 2021 insurrection and breach of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C., One of the defendants, 33-year-old Edward Kelly, was already facing federal charges in the District of Columbia related to an assault of a law enforcement officer on January 6th. Kelly and Austin Carter, 26, have been charged with conspiracy, retaliating against a federal officer, interstate threats, and solicitation uh, to commit a crime of violence. Both men were arrested and appeared in federal court back last Thursday. According to court documents, Kelly, who is from Maryville, Tennessee, obtained a list of law enforcement involved in his D.C. criminal investigation. Kelly later discussed plans to kill those officials with Carter. Both men have been arrested and appeared in court on Thursday. According to court documents unsealed earlier this year, Kelly and two other men fought with a Capitol Police officer in front of the Capitol building on January 6th. Kelly allegedly broke through a Capitol window with a piece of wood and later kicked open a door to the U.S. Senate, allowing other rioters in. Three regiments of the United States Colored Troops fought in Nashville 158 years ago this month. They helped the Union take control of land held by Confederate soldiers and changed the course of history. Stories of the Battle of Nashville aren't well known to many people, but the city's first Civil War trails marker hopes to change that. The sign puts visitors in the steps of the three regiments of African-American men, many of whom were formerly enslaved and fought for the first time as United States soldiers in Nashville. The Battle of Nashville Trust, Nashville Convention and Visitors Corporation, and Civil War Trails Incorporated began working on getting a sign to recognize the work done by U.S. Colored Troops two years ago after receiving a grant from the Tennessee Wars Commission. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. If you are looking for one of the best places to ring in the new year, it's right here in Nashville, according to a study released by WalletHub, who ranked the best New Year's party spots. While New York City takes the top spot, Nashville comes in at number 15. To determine which cities are the best for ringing in the new year without breaking the bank, WalletHub compared the 100 biggest cities across 29 key metrics. The data set ranges from safety and vaccination rates to quality food options and costs. Here are some things to note about the study. 80-plus million, that's the number of Americans who will travel for the New Year's holiday this year, with nearly half of them driving to their destination. 59%, that's the share of Americans who plan to celebrate New Year's Eve with family or friends. Only 37% will attend public events or eat out. $865. That's the average cost of a couple to enjoy dinner and a show on New Year's Eve in the three largest cities of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. 360-plus million? That's the number of glasses of sparkling wine that are drunk each year on New Year's Eve. The top five cities on the list were New York, Orlando, Las Vegas, San Francisco, and Atlanta. Remember, Nashville came at a respectable number 15. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.